Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Summits Podcast. Thank you for joining us from wherever you get your podcasts or you're for tuning into the Heroes Foundation YouTube channel. Thank you for doing so. Don't forget, if you haven't subscribed, 80% of you viewers, just click on the little subscription button. It's absolutely free. Hit the notification bell so you guys can be alerted to when new episodes like this one drop. That would be awesome. We appreciate it. Today, we have a special guest, someone that we work a lot with in terms of the cancer research aspect of the Heroes Foundation. Sometimes she goes by TB, but then people confuse her for Tom Brady. <laughs> it's not her name. Dr. Tara Ballinger, welcome to Summit's podcast. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Why don't you give us a little background on yourself? Sure. So I am a breast oncologist at the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center. In that role, I see patients with breast cancer. I also direct our breast cancer prevention program. So I see women that might be at higher risk for breast cancer for whatever reason to deliver more specialized services to those patients preventatively. I'm also associate director of supportive oncology, meaning sort of anything outside of chemo and cancer-directed treatment that patients need. Okay. And in that role, I primarily focus on cancer rehab and services, doing a little bit of a broad spectrum of things currently. It's okay. Yeah. What would you say, what is the biggest aspect, the non-medicinal side of oncology, what are the biggest areas that you think patients are gravitating towards or they, or they feel that they're getting the most value out of? Yeah. Yeah. I think I was just talking about this yesterday. There's so much that encompasses supportive oncology. Right. And the things that we need to prioritize are the things that patients need the most, but also want the most. Sure. And to me, I think a lot of that is that lifestyle medicine, diet and exercise. Okay. Yep. And I think part of that is the way I became interested in that is that patients are always asking what they can do to mm -hmm. control what's happening to them. Yeah. And so that's where those lifestyle things, they're so motivated. And we have actual evidence that many of those things are just as good as some of the medications that we get. Sure. It's just a matter of figuring out how to motivate people and deliver those things to patients. Right. I remember 23 years ago now or whatever it was, I was going through chemo and the Complete Life program was just a pet project at the time. And they were trying to figure out what aspects made sense to become part of this program. And so they were trying stuff out. And I remember, and look, everyone's different. You know, you have Jane Doe, maybe if you have 12, a dozen different service options, yep. Jane Doe may love three of them, but not really care about the others. And John Doe may like 10 of the 12. Yep. So I'm 26 or seven at the time. I think I was in the room by myself and in walks this girl with a guitar. And she's like, do you mind if I come in? I'm like, Sure. And she just sits down and starts playing and singing. And I was like, it just what it was. I wasn't, it was, that weird. Wasn't yeah, it was I was, weird. Just, yeah. I was yeah. weird out by yeah. the person in the next room. Yes, exactly. Totally loved it yeah. and put them in a good mood and made them feel better. And that was great. Yeah. What I will say is that project, as we got to know it better through Dr. Kripe and another mm -hmm. physician who was kind of like either managing or putting together at the time. Now it's a mainstay. Yep. And not just at IU, but like most cancer centers have some form of um, set of services like that. So clearly there's a need for it and yep. they're finding value in providing that to the patients. Yeah. Would you guys, what, I guess, what aspects of those, you said, you mentioned the dietitian part, what other aspects do you guys find that the, maybe the majority of patients are really 
taken advantage of. I think the other piece of that is getting connected with psychology and therapy Um, services is a huge one. I think that even during COVID and post-COVID, I feel like in, in general, not just cancer patients, mental health is a much bigger struggle for everybody yeah. for many reasons. And those services are hard to find and they're hard to pay for. I think that is the other big thing that we find ourselves connecting patients and their family members to. Yeah. And through Complete Life, we have other kind of outreach that we can connect patients to. Some patients like the support group atmosphere, others don't, like you're saying, different strokes for different folks as far as that stuff's concerned. But Is it like a broad comprehensive program or do you tailor it per patient? Say, hey, we here filled a survey and I like these things or how do you tailor it to or do you tailor it to? That's a great question. So Complete Life is part of our overall supportive oncology program. So within Complete Life, there are support groups, there's connection to community resources, there's massage, acupuncture, music therapy, art therapy, those kind of things. But overall, what we're trying to do a better job of is exactly what you're saying, being able to identify which patients need which things, navigate them to those things, because right now it's a passive process where the patient kind of has to seek that those things out and if the patient doesn't know what's available right might not find or if they have if they know it's available but they have some kind of barrier to actually facilitating that so what we're trying to do is develop a way where we can ask every patient a series of questions and kind of screen who would benefit most from physical therapy from exercise from the dietitian from a therapist okay yeah. And helps take the burden off of things. them from having to try to figure out yeah, what they need. Yeah, it's already so need. much. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, that's cool. So you have a project that you're active in right now, and I wrote some of it down because I want to make sure I spelled it out perfectly, and if I botched this, you can correct me. But this one research project that Dr. Ballinger is working on that the Catherine Peachy has provided some funding for, it is centered around how body composition and physical activity affect patients across the cancer continuum from prevention to late-stage disease. I guess... For all of us lay people out yeah. there, explain exactly what this project is about and what where did it come from? Yeah. So that encompasses a couple of different projects. So we know that in early stage breast cancer, um, how active patients are and their body composition, both their body fat, but also muscle is a big part of that often overlooked. All of those things strongly influence not just quality of life and the ability to tolerate treatment and all of that, but actually impact disease recurrences and ultimately survival. But what we haven't really studied as well is what those kind of things mean for patients with metastatic disease and what those things mean in the preventative setting. Two studies I'm working on right now, one in the metastatic setting where patients are patients who have more stable metastatic breast cancer, who we think can probably benefit from exercise in the same way, are doing a virtual kind of exercise intervention. And then in the preventative setting, what's held us back from making exercise really standard of care is that it's associated with a reduced risk of breast cancer, but we don't know why. So there are two, there are two barriers. One is we don't know how to best motivate that and facilitate it. The other one is we don't know the mechanisms for how exercise influences breast cancer development. So what we're doing in that study 
is enrolling women at high risk for breast cancer in a group exercise intervention. A really awesome behavioral scientist who's doing a fellowship with me that Peachy's funding for her it has a lot of expertise in how to motivate specific populations toward exercise. Okay. So she's facilitating that. But then we're using the Komen Tissue Bank at IU mm -hmm. to do breast biopsies before and after so we can start to actually investigate the science of what changes in normal breast tissue in response to exercise. So I think the project has the potential to fill a lot of gaps in that space. I'm really excited about it. We're fairly familiar with the, I'm sticking the obvious here, but the influence that physical activity and general nutrition guidelines and just overall personal health play a role in reducing the incidence of a lot of diseases, cancer being one. Yep. Of course, then there are some of us who just win the lottery. We weren't planning to win. Yes. But so it goes into, you know, just educating the public constantly about trying to do this. And some people listen and some people don't. I am curious to, to see any statistics that you guys have between, you mentioned you're looking at both cancer prevention in general on the front end, I'm not saying this the right way, but then also those who've already been diagnosed, but trying to reduce the incidence of the disease spreading. Are you seeing any correlations at all or is it too early to say? Yeah, I think it, I think there are definitely correlations in terms of the research that's been done so far. What hasn't been done is what we're doing, which is more, a lot of what's in the literature already is more observational, like patients report that they exercise right. and then they maybe have a lower risk of breast cancer. But both of these studies on both ends will be collecting very similar data in terms of muscle, body fat, the serologic things that we're measuring biomarkers of metabolism and inflammation and things like that. So I don't know. I do think what's what this kind of points out about exercise is that when you say that exercise or, or physical activity are beneficial, it depends on what you mean by beneficial in terms of the endpoint. So in the preventative population, maybe we're focused on changing some actual biologic biomarker of risk in their breast tissue or something like that. Whereas in the metastatic setting, we know that if you can improve cardiovascular fitness, they're going to live longer. They're going to be able to tolerate more therapy. They're going to have a better quality of life if we improve their function. Maybe they metabolize chemo better because they have better muscle mass. So the endpoints are very different. And I think we've yet to tease out who needs what type of exercise for what reason kind of thing. Sure. Okay. Yeah. What is your greater vision for the project? It's focused on breast cancer now, but I can yeah. imagine that it would have even more widespread app yeah. application. Yes. Alongside of this, so those are research projects. But then from a clinical standpoint, we've instituted something called the MOVE program, which stands for Multidisciplinary Oncology, Vitality, and Exercise. Uh, so. In that program, patients can come in any disease type, any place along the cancer continuum. Um, and we do an initial assessment with an oncology trained physical therapist and exercise physiologist. And then they get a personalized prescription moving forward. Maybe they're coming in three times a week to actually work in person with those folks. Maybe they're doing a virtual thing. Maybe they just have a home-based script. We refer out to other community things and then touch base and try to keep them on track. So from a clinical standpoint, we have that going on and we're kind of collecting data on everyone. Okay. But I think 
Breast cancer is probably the most advanced in terms of exercise research among the cancers, but the same benefits probably apply across all disease types. And by having this clinical infrastructure in place, we're going to be able to deploy these same type of things across across different diseases. I've been talking, I think hopefully we're going to develop Leah Jalal as an mm-hmm. esophageal specialist at our, right, um, yeah. you probably know her. I do. But we've been talking about potentially doing something with esophageal cancer patients. They have such a high burden of morbidity and difficulty that if we can keep their physical function up, there's a high probability that we can improve outcomes there. Yeah. Yeah. I just had a very close friend of mine from college who unfortunately passed away a year ago. It was a patient of Dr. DeLal's. He, I don't want to go into his story too much, but talk about a classic example of someone who you would not expect to yeah. be in the circumstance that he was because he was a, a Division One track and cross-country runner at IU. You talk about picture of health. That was this guy. So it really brings that back to light in terms of prevention is key. There's no question that paying attention to ourselves are gonna, is going to help. Unfortunately, it doesn't always, it's not exactly. the, it's not the only. It's, uh, it's not the silver bullet. Yeah. 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 And in fact, we've been, at least in some of the more national research circles, have been changing that word from prevention to like interception. Okay. Um, so trying to change the narrative, because I think if you talk about like this can prevent it, then if people get it, yeah, they feel so. like, it's a gut punch. That was yeah. like they didn't, there was something wrong that they didn't yeah. do correctly when really it's just a process that's already going on. Maybe this can right. take a little bit of the edge off yeah. in terms of your risk, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, working out is not necessarily going to prevent a gene mutation. Exactly. I don't, yeah. I don't, get, I don't exactly. think. Yeah. But we do know Maybe there's... You're not working out yeah. hard enough. But, and... Interestingly, people have asked the question, do these lifestyle things still matter if you already oh. have a strong genetic predisposition? Yeah, and they sure. do. Oh, yeah. There was a big study done in women with BRCA mutations. Okay. And even exercise, like being in a high school sport and things like that, was associated with reduced risk long-term, like childhood into adulthood. So it does matter. Yeah. yeah. It modifies it in some way, at least. Damn it. Skip me, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to find I want to win the Powerball and I want something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with that in, in mind, if you were going to recommend something to, to the general public, our viewers and listeners here, what are some of the key things that you would recommend to them from a, as part of the what you've studied so far? Yeah. So I think. What I usually tell people is exercise. So the difference between exercise and physical activity is that you're doing exercise like for a purpose. Right. And so if you think of it as a medication that you need to take and that even if even if you're not a lot of people exercise because they want to look different or they want to lose weight or something like that, even if you're not getting those kind of benefits, Every single bout of exercise is like you took a medicine. There are so many physiologic changes just after that one bout of raising your heart rate a little or your muscles when you use them, they actually release things into your bloodstream that modify what's going on. So I think if you think about it as every like you did something good for yourself, even if it was 10 minutes of movement and maybe you're not seeing yet what you want to see, it still matters. Sure. I like to think of exercise as a medication. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. What is, so you've seen this podcast before, and we, we talk about people's cancer stories. What's your cancer story? 
And I don't, what's interesting is I don't have, I have no, no family history of cancer. I don't think I ever even knew personally somebody going through cancer growing up as a kid or anything like that. I think what it came from is I, from what, when I very first went into med school all the way through, I just felt more of a connection talking to cancer patients. Mm -hmm. My dad is a minister and has always been so good at talking to people during really rough times in their life. And I think that's something that I became comfortable with or felt like is a, is an important skill that I can give. And so I think being able to walk patients through that is a gift and kind of what ultimately motivated me to go into the field. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What questions do you have for us? I would love to hear more about Fit for Heroes. (laughs) Okay. I guess in a nutshell, Fit for Heroes, obviously. I'm sure your viewers probably know more about that. Well, maybe, you know. Some do. If you don't, now you will. Now Now there's no excuse. Um, (laughs) So Fit for Heroes is one of our annual events, and it used to be called Spin for Heroes, where it started was like a a -a spin-a-thon. So we we have a group called Team Heroes, which is a pretty much a, a cycling team, but also some triathletes. And the idea was born out of that group to create a fundraiser. And so what we did was we set up this four-hour spin-a-thon. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like the three of us and one more person. So teams of four, and we break up those four hours however long, whether it's an hour piece or every, we rotate mm-hmm. every 30 minutes, however it does, it's up to us. But as we started to grow, you start to hit a ceiling. So you have the cyclists that come in with their road bikes and their, their smart trainers and whatever and yep. set that up. But for the regular John and Jane Doe, this is before the world of Peloton, they want to be on spin bikes. Spin bikes are expensive. Yeah. They're heavy. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, we have some partners out there who loan us several bikes to use for the event. But even up and through 2020, we started to hit a ceiling of how many spin bikes can you get? How can we really scale this thing? But we're limited based on equipment. And then we also looked at it from the standpoint of not everybody likes to spin. You, yeah. You said you, you were into running. What do we do for the runners of the world? Rowing's gotten very popular. So how do we tap that market? Things mm-hmm. like that. Fit for Heroes came about for two reasons. One, because we want to expand beyond just spinning. And two, thank you, Mr. COVID, but we had to adapt and pivot and whatever buzzwords you want to use to create a virtual thing. The nice thing about the virtual piece is it forced us into getting outside of spinning and allowing others who to walk her. Like my mom formed her own little campaign and they're snowbirds. So she was like, okay, I'm going to walk on the beach two miles every day mm-hmm. or whatever. That was her campaign. That's great. That's all That's we awesome. need. Yeah. It's just, and it's a peer-to-peer thing. Yeah. So whether we're doing it as an individual, a team of one, or mm-hmm. we're all part of the same company and 500 employees are part of Team ABC Corporation, we can do that. So our goal is to obviously continue to grow it, figure out what what we can do to expand the kind of what we call fit fest, which is the on-site live piece towards the end of the four to six week campaign. And then frankly, my, the big vision is trying to take it statewide, but yep. baby steps. Yeah, that's awesome. So in a nutshell, that's what it is. And, it's, and the whole piece, it goes along with what you're doing is it, it's really preaching that whole cancer prevention through the means of physical fitness and exercise. And yeah. of course, all the other benefits you'll get from that aside from just potential cancer prevention. Yeah. It's a really fun event. We've enjoyed doing it. It's pretty cool. I know you've, yeah. you've participated several mm-hmm. years. Yeah. It's been interesting with that pivot to think about different ways. Like we did, a group of us did how many holes of golf could we fit in over the four to six week period. And so that was. Although uh, I argue with my husband, whether golf is like uh, a sport 
or like just like a game just a pastime that, yeah oh okay so we don't have yeah. to get into that. yeah well, we should probably take that this episode off the is air. ended Go yeah ahead. yeah Go and ahead. cut cut to black Continue. yeah sorry yeah <laughs> oh, <hello. laughs> We got creative. I yeah, mean, we did. Yeah, we were in the sim. Right, we were outside. Yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it was the month of March, and so of course March in Indiana, it could be sunny and seventy, or it could be snowing yeah. out and zero. Uh, so that, to, to Daniel's point, we said, okay, it, there were I don't know, twelve or twelve of us? of us that joined yeah. this team. We said, okay, yeah. guys, th- we're playing golf, and they're like, but it's March. I go, okay, it's a golf hole, whether it's simulator, indoor simulator, or outside playing. Mm-hmm. Go to spring break, whatever, and it was. 2021, I think. Yeah. Our goal was to yeah. play collectively 2,021 holes in this <laughs> yep. in the 30 days, the yep. month of March. Yeah. And we did it. Yeah. And yes, you could argue <laughs> how physical. It's a real battle. Is. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> how much was it? Over ten. It's over ten thousand dollars. Yeah. So yeah. hey, your your sport of choice <laughs> yeah. is you know what? Not the air quotes. Yeah. You want to do a 48 hour chess match? We hey, should raise money. Do it. We should have our maybe I should have our move participants do. Be a, go. Be a oh, yeah. team or something that like that. Yeah, right. that'd be um, cool. Yeah. yeah, maybe they could play golf. Center. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Cool. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah. We appreciate it. We are really interested in the that type of work that you're doing. It certainly fits in line with our prevention summit. Keep at it. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And thank all you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Summit's Podcast. We appreciate you guys joining us today from wherever you get your podcasts. And again, for those of you guys on the Heroes Foundation YouTube channel, we appreciate you watching. And if you haven't hit that subscribe button, please do. It's absolutely free. And then hit that notification bell. So when this episode drops at the beginning of April, you'll be notified. Thanks. Oh, and don't forget, beat cancer. (laughs) Late late ad. (laughs) 